Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You asked Eric anything, and we are going to ask him everything else. You listen to them, now hang out with us. This is After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz fans wow this is some jamming music just for you thank you for tuning in to the 83 weeks channel this is the show for everybody who enjoys eric and comrade's 83 weeks show to come on after we cover all the big reveals we get your fan reactions and eric bischoff will be joining us a little bit later uh for some of our questions and i heard that he actually has is having a little party at his house tonight so i think we're gonna meet the whole fam we were invited to the party via skype I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> I will take it. Let me tell you who these voices are that you are hearing. Say hello to a, a veteran of this business and also the host of the AfterBuzz TV Smackdown After Show. Hi, Christian Rosenberg. Hi, Christy Olson. How are you? I am great, thank you. How are you? I am doing fantastic because we had so many questions answered and we have more questions that need answers. I know. I loved it. And I bet this guy loved it, too. We call him the Encyclopedia of Sports Entertainment. You can call him George Hermosa. I did like it. I'm Honestly, I liked the all these Q&A ones are just kind of rapid fire like we got a little bit of everything mm-hmm. so much juice and I always like this guy sitting next to me when we squeeze the juice he runs the YouTube channels for pretty much every wrestling veteran that has a YouTube channel so he's a busy guy hi Steve Kaufman hello um, I'm always touring with Q&A episodes because I like them but they're way harder to clip together <laughs> Because it'll be, sometimes it's just a Q and an A and it's about 12 seconds. You're like, what do I do with that? This is why we like him so much because we know Steve has to do so much more work. Uh, yeah. Literally double the work. But I mean, I'm not even kidding when I say that. This time around, you guys out there asked Eric some really great questions. One of them was even, um, he said, the best question he'd ever been asked. So if you uh, want to make sure that you never miss any of us picking Eric's brain, make sure you hit the subscribe button just below. Maybe give us a little thumbs up. And you can also listen on Apple Podcasts. We would appreciate a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Maybe let us know what you like about the show. And we would love to uh, shout you out. So please do that because I like shouting people out. You know, I'm used to saying these guys' names. It's better than shouting people down. That doesn't help anybody. I mean, they can also use hashtag after 83 weeks to send questions in that we will ask Eric. You guys can do this every week. This whole ask Eric anything thing, you can do it right here. Don't forget it. On that note, let's jump into some of our reactions to what he said to all of these fabulous questions. And what stands out the most to me is actually how this episode capped off, which was with a very valuable promo class, basically, from Eric Bischoff. And it was genius. Uh, George, you are our training wrestler, resident training wrestler. What did you think of um, Eric's instructions as to how to give a promo? I mean, I thought it was so fascinating. I mean, I know you know more, maybe a little bit more experienced, but like me personally, mm-hmm. I am terrified of promos. I'm, I'm more terrified of promos than actually wrestling matches. Like, I 
scared shitless of promos. I've you heard know? so many people say the same but, thing. But yeah. but knowing what I what, what Eric's in now, like it's one of those where like we've all been in the same situation. So kind of him being in those shoes, like you know being you know doing promos and at some point you will get confident with it. And I just all, all that promo stuff is so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean I I've you know been lucky enough to actually have wrestling students sign up to take promo classes with me. I clearly have them fooled. Okay. Uh, but, but so, I mean, what I what I mentioned to them is, you know, there, there are certain um, uh, s- certain C's that you must follow. You must be consistent. You must have control. You must be clear. And you must be crisp. And, and with those, it's, you know, very important because with all that... You, and confidence, so there's five of them. <laughs> um, I kind of forgot the most important one. <laughs> but so with that, when you convey it, and so many people have different, you know, suggestions and pieces of yeah. advice that help. What Eric did, what Eric said was spot on with he different made things. It's so simple. It, it, it's more simple than you think. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, Roddy Piper would always say, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. One thing when giving advice for promos, just always have whatever your last line is going to be because then in your mind you already know where it's going to end. Mm-hmm. However, you get there, as long as you get to that end, that's that's what matters because that's what people remember the most. Mm-hmm. And so you take take these trinkets of advice you get from Eric Bischoff, take these trinkets you can hear from Piper, you can look up from Dusty Rhodes, from William Regal, from whoever it may be, and and then make it your own. Mm-hmm. Find a way to make it work. Um, I mean, I can speak, you know, at, at Russell Preston, where where George and I perform at. There, I play Kendrick. the with Brian Kendrick. I play the freaking devil, and I've never done anything like that because all. And I asked Brian Kendrick for advice. I'm like, well, I'm not Christian Rose. I'm not the character Christian Rosenberg yeah. cutting promos here. I am Dennis Evil. I am a devil. What should I do? And and he gave me certain advice, and he gave me, hey watch this thing and this thing like this this character from this movie mm-hmm. and this these are the ideas that I want you to start conveying so all of a sudden Dennis Evil to me is almost a combination of of a brother love a preacher Devon like that brief <laughs> preacher gimmick that he had and Paul Heyman with you know, and then mixed with like this character from Mr. Show or this person he saw in Rick and Morty or whatever it may be. So it's always a matter of finding your character, finding what will work, and again, be confident, be clear, be consistent with it, and it's going to work. It may even work for George one day. And it's crazy because like, and and, and I always ask Brian too, or like, you know, do you have some stuff what you want me to say? Like, you know, he's like, he doesn't really give me a script. He just kind of says like, well, this is what I want, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm thankful that he trusts me to say like. 
you know, just kind of make it your own. But also, too, it kind of goes into what Bishop was saying about, like, scripting promos. And you probably know this very well. Like, like, are people able to, like, like ad-lib? You know what I mean? Like, for example, like, like scripted promos, for some people, and I think we've talked about this before, they're they're kind of necessary to, to for promos to be scripted. Not everybody has that ability to go ad-lib. Well, hypothetically, someone were straight out of college, and then they go to a certain facility in Florida, and then they're taught to be a pro wrestler, and part of that is taught to do a promo. It's probably easier to hand that person all the words. Of course. Yes, at NXT, the promos are written word for word and delivered word for but word. But, I mean, a lot of that probably has to do with a lot of the training that these guys do. Like, how often do, do some of these wrestling schools have promo classes? Um, WWE, the NXT candidates, um, attend promo class every single week. There are three different levels. Mm-hmm. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You go one of the days. So and just is, once a week, though? Yes, once a week, several hours, very intensive exercises with the writers, with the coaches, uh, with the announcers. That was part of, of my job there was to be there for that and to, to learn myself and to be the <laughs> to play the announcer role. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something they put a lot of emphasis on. Mm-hmm. I, I could feel her. I don't want to say dreading, but I could feel. I could feel like as the conversation was going, I could feel Christy just feeling like it's gonna. This pendulum's gonna swing no, because, back to because me. It, I mean, going, 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 me back about to, going back to the episode because like Bishop specifically said, like I don't care what Jericho says. Like I've seen him read scripts, and I think I think trusting Jericho to read a script in 2002 might be different than 2005 or 2006. Like I'm sure he gained that trust of knowing that he can deliver with or without the script. You know, so the, things like that just I got fascinated by like mm-hmm. scripting and promos and whether. Or not to give somebody a script. Like I've always been fascinated with that. I think, especially with how we, what we know now about how they kind of run things down there or up there. I guess whatever. Well, I think it's a matter of producing. It's a matter of producing, and that's just. I, it sounds to me they don't produce on the level of like. Well, he just gets to say what he wants. That regardless. Of but you got to gain that trust, feel. though. No, but I'm saying no. It sounds like very few people gain that trust there. That's all. That's that's probably very very <laughs> true. You got to remember, it's live TV going out to a lot of people. Anything can happen, and uh, I mean, no surprise. What else stuck out to you guys about this episode besides uh, that fun promo lesson that we had at the end? Uh, he said, "Wait, I'm not I'm not trying to make it all about WWE, <laughs> but what he mentioned about um, the employees there being so fiercely loyal, mm-hmm. um, I, I would second that." And to the point where I tried to sit and think, like, okay, so why is that? You know, I, I felt that loyalty myself, even even after not being there anymore, I almost feel protective and feeling like, you know, I can't say anything bad or, or I don't want to say anything bad and, and I want to say good things. I And I was trying to think to myself, like, why did I feel that way? Or, or what what bred that kind of loyalty? And I, I honestly don't know. So I'm going to ask I'm gonna ask <laughs> Bischoff later when we get him on the, on the line if he has any thoughts on that. I actually heard him say something. It was probably Steve Austin's show close to 10 years ago at this point. Where Steve Austin asked, like, when you came in the WWE, were you intimidated? And he said, like, not by what you think I would be intimidated. I was intimidated by the guy who's spooling cable next to the cameraman who had been there for 30 years. Like, that's intimidating. Right. And it doesn't help that, like, I on screen tried to act like I was trying to put that guy out of, like, out of work. Right. That that's intimidating. And I think, I guess that kind of, um, I guess I would say... Um, Awarded loyalty, yeah. Like to have that job for that long at a place that like you're kind of doing what you like. It's TV production, but it's steady TV production. I I also think you know, Christy, in, in your case, um, would be okay. You're you're entering it. Mm-hmm. You're going there for the first time, and then obviously now you're interacting with all these people that have been here for so many years. 
where we just hear on the podcast and the shoots of of you know the people that were not happy while they were there. Mm-hmm. But when you put it in perspective, it's a small percentage. So then, because there are all those people that last their 10, 20, 30, 4,000 4, years. Yeah. Um, and and now all of a sudden, because you go in your mindset, you're excited to be there. All right, this this is it. This is the top of it. Oh, yeah. And, if they would have told me to jump off a bridge, right. I would not be here today. Right. <laughs> and and then you're just like, okay, so I'm new and excited, but I am still questioning because I've heard all these other horror stories. Mm-hmm. But then you go in, and the first person you meet has been there for thirty years, right? And it's crazy, kind of going off what you were saying. Where like, yeah, we we see everybody we see, like, oh, Amokley's frustrated, CM Punk, whatever. But some of those guys that we don't see on TV have been there for a very, very long time. Marty Miller, like, he's been there forever. Kerwin Selfies, like, I I heard his name getting dropped off in interviews from like the eighties, and like he's still there. It's like, so maybe I'm kind of curious, like, maybe I should ask them more, like, loyalty from Mike Hughes has been there since like ninety two. Yeah. Or like people whose name we don't even know. Yeah, like yeah. that, ca- like, that ca- like that cable spooler. I'm, I, I've heard rumor that there's a hair and makeup person that's been hair and makeup for anyone from Hogan all the way to John Cena. Like that there's the same Wouldn't hair and makeup person. Me. You know there. what? I don't know that any of them are old enough for that. But they are all really good at makeup, so <laughs> that's probably but the, true. But also, like it goes like, well, are these people getting like benefits or insurance? And that's a whole other like aspect of like. Well, probably not. You don't think so? They're probably all independent contractors, a, the same way the wrestlers are. It's mm-hmm. a publicly traded company. You know, it's a publicly traded. It's a publicly traded company. And the last I checked, they had less than a hundred. See, employees. I would think that like the talent are the independent contractors, not the actual people that like, you know, are. That's crazy. I think you know, mainly it's if, what's best for business yeah, to have. If, the if, most if you work in the corporate office, then you're probably listed as an actual official employee. Mm-hmm. Uh, otherwise, if you're traveling in production, you're independent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's take it back to WCW for a moment. Did any of you guys remember or know of Snow Brawl? I, I not a clue. I was like, I was ashamed at myself for not knowing what this was. <laughs> you did? I swear to God, I had to Google it myself. I was like, I have no recollection of this. But if you find it on YouTube, there is one video, about a 20 minute long video on uh-huh. YouTube and all the comments are like, oh my god I didn't know this happened, yeah. I didn't know this was a thing, what the hell like, I'm like, I, I, if the encyclopedia I, of sports I, entertainment nothing, didn't know. none whatsoever. Well, because it was just on MTV, it wasn't on... Was it? I'm asking. I don't know. What did you tell me? I don't know. I know nothing about it. I I kind of tried to find out some details like that, and there really is zero information, except for there is this great video of it. Rob Zombie was on commentary for this? As he should be. I mean, and live crowd. It, it's really a, is a cool looking show and kind of like raw and fun. Mm-hmm. I'm probably, I'm probably not going to. I'm probably not going to even get to ask him. But guys, I guarantee you, Patreon content this week. Me and Eric are going to watch Snow, Snow Brawl. Brawl watch along. <laughs> Eric and right, I are going to watch in. Snow Brawl. I'm into it. Because even right. like the Boston House Show that they did, the, like the pay per listen or whatever. Because remember the first one they did was like in L. A. So I was like, oh, I thought that was going to be a more recurring thing, but like nothing about Snow Brawl. I don't even remember it to forget it. Like, there's nothing. <laughs> That's cool. Well, I know everybody remembers Aces and Eights. And Conrad even said nah. on the show, we got so many questions about Aces and Eights, but then they barely talked about it. Did you guys want more? I no. wanted more. No. no? I, I hated loved Aces and Eights. I hated Aces yeah, and Eights. Yeah, even whether you divisive. hated them or loved them, I think, yes, they are divisive. There was the, kind of some controversy about the end. I mean, doesn't it's juicy. It's I loved juicy, it. Rosenberg. I don't know, I don't know why Aces and Eights is what made me leave TNA. 
I thought you were still there. I thought the Lockdown interview was doing everything I could. When Bully Ray turned heel and that follow up, I think was like amazing. Like the fact knowing like Bischoff, like give yourself a pat on the back. Like I think that was great. Like the build up and you know everything about it. Bully Ray was in a relationship with Brooke Hogan. That's awesome. I said I'm done. I am done with. But when Triple H and Stephanie were in there, she said, "Oh, that's awesome." Right. Well, that was a little less of an age difference. And a little a little less of an age, and B that was real. Like the first time we saw in stories for something like that. But that time they went head-to-head on Monday night against what turned out to be a Bret Hart Shawn Michaels promo. You stuck with them for that whole... Yes. You stuck with TNA for that whole... Okay. Well, that was just that I one Monday. That was, just that, was one, that was just that one Monday. <laughs> no, but I was saying that was that was the turning point. That I literally remember that was the time I stopped watching TNA. Well, I was like, oh, I'm good. I also I'm remember, out. yeah, the, the live TNA that was trying to compete with Raw, where they started with... A Bischoff promo every single week. Well, it was... I'm trying to remember the name of the X Division match because it wasn't the Ultimate X, but it was the one. Oh, with the, the, giant oh the giant, the red cage, yeah, the yeah, Thunderdome. Yeah. I think it was the Thunderdome. Where, I'm where, not even where kidding. Homicide got stuck trying <laughs> to climb up, and Jeff Hardy showed up for the X Division. I'm like, really? It was bad. Yeah, it was really bad. But it ended with a great AJ Styles Kurt Angle match. I didn't yeah. get that far. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow. And that show's still on TV, right? Yeah. yeah. Twitch, Twitch is updated five channels later, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, good to know. Not even kidding. I think it's like, it's I'm pretty, like sure, five channels. pretty sure Twitch can Chromecast your TV. And everyone's trying to leave to go to AEW. That's weird. <laughs> hey. Well, hey, there's something else that you're always quite passionate about, Christian Rosenberg. Me? Yeah. What's that? Disco Inferno. <laughs> Eric said he would have made a great manager. And you have he, to agree. In that case, he is 100% right. Yeah. Disco would... And he might he might have been in the Hall of Fame if he was just a manager. You think so? Because everything Eric said in this situation was 100% right. He is very knowledgeable of business, whether you want to agree with him or not on that. He can talk, whether you want to agree with him or not. He's got the unique look. He can put people over. All that works. And he was good in the ring, and he could take bumps. Mm-hmm. It's, you just couldn't really take him that seriously as a wrestler based on everything. But as a manager, being the mouthpiece for somebody, he would have been money. It's, he still would be money. Also, it, I have a thesis here about Disco Inferno specifically, but managers in general. Let's say Disco Inferno turned and became a manager in the mid-'90s. Uh-huh. I would have believed him in the early aughts if it made sense for him to turn back to being a wrestler. Like if he ran out of sure. clients, mm-hmm. if he ran out of clients and was and, forced to wrestle on his and own, and just turned up again, and was like, I guess I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And, and 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 especially now, like I mean, I still watch Impact Wrestling. I think I'm the one, but like he does, like, he he does a lot of things on Twitter that like really gets people ticket ticked off yeah. about like women's wrestling, intergender wrestling. I'm like, you know, it's a work, right? <laughs> because it's all like you know leading up to him and what? Scarlett Bordeaux. George, whatever. what's a work? What do you mean? The works what what Cody Rhodes did at Double or Nothing, but. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with, with Cody Rhodes. Oh, Cody Rhodes. With Disco Inferno. Like, like uh, yeah, 100%. Man, you mentioned Disco Inferno, you get all kinds of sass <laughs> from these three over here. That's what that's what Disco provides. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if one Eric Bischoff is feeling sassy tonight. Let's take a little short break, and we will be right back with the man himself, Eric Bischoff. Stay tuned. Welcome back. Joining us now all the way from the Bischoff Compound in Cody, Wyoming, live from the Bischoff Compound, where we hear he's having a big gathering. He's throwing a party tonight. Hello, Eric Bischoff. Hello. Guess what we're having? Uh, beer. <laughs> Lots of beer. <laughs> are, you, are you having deer sausage or something very Minnesota-y? No, we're having something very Wyoming-y. Oh. We're, we're, we're having elk Ooh. that our good friend Mark Bueller harvested last fall. 
and fresh brown trout that was just caught this uh, this afternoon about three hours ago. Wow! Caught by our, yours truly, or no? I didn't go fishing today. I had work to do. But our son Garrett and uh, our buddy uh, Mark Bueller went and caught a couple of really nice brown trout. So we're having elk and brown trout for dinner. Well, the most important question, Eric, is: Do they all listen to Eighty Three Weeks? No, they hear me babble enough as it is. They're not going to, like, subject themselves to it voluntarily. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Well, we know you want to get to that, but we did want to do a little follow-up with you. You opened yourself up to fan questions this week. It was an Ask Eric Anything episode. And there's a couple things that we just wanted to follow up with you on. So I'm going to I'm gonna jump right in with, with this one. You mentioned that if you weren't a big TV producer, you would maybe be a Minnesota senator. I'm wondering, why not a political run now? Christy, the skeletons in my closet (laughs) are sufficient enough to really create a a community of of skeletons. So now, as bad as things are, and literally, you know, like five years ago, you know, I would have thought, you know, God, to run for public office, you have to be, you have to have, you got to be a pretty clean person. You know what I mean? You can't have any skeletons in your closet. And I have a substantial amount of skeletons. But now, I don't know. Maybe in another two, three years, I may be considered a lightweight. When, in, in... <laughs> oh, well, hey, we'd vote for you. So no easy transition into this question. But you mentioned, <laughs> you met, from that question to this question, you mentioned that you don't think there would be a Randy Savage in WCW without Hulk Hogan. I feel like you may have had this question before. But do you think there would have been a Monday Nitro without Hulk Hogan? Yes. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, we had enough momentum going. Now, certainly Hulk Hogan um, accelerated, you know, the the trajectory. um, And we we made a lot more progress on the business side of the business than we really anticipated. But I think even without it, things were going in the right direction. There there would have been a good chance we would have had it. Good question, though. Thank you. Toward the end of the episode, you kind of went on about promos and how, you know, how much of an art form a promo is. Personally, I'm scared to do promos. I I just do them because I have to. But how did you learn the the art form of the promo, and who do you think is the best ever on the mic to do a promo? You know, I think it's hard to pick a best ever. It's like best actor. You know, it depends on the movie, depends on the scene, depends on the year. Um, In terms of how I learned... You know, I think I really, if I look back on it, honestly, I think I had a great four-year education. You know, when I was in AWA, when I first broke into production, I was running a camera. And as a cameraman, you know, I got to, I was a fly on the wall, so I got to listen to Vern Gagne direct talent and try to teach his talent how to do great promos. And Vern was, Vern was a master. He understood the art form. He understood the psychology. He may have not been the greatest teacher sometimes because, you know, oftentimes people that are really great at doing things aren't necessarily great at teaching. And sometimes people that are great at teaching aren't necessarily that great at actually doing it. But Vern was able to communicate the the basics, the fundamentals of a promo in a way that, you know, after two or three years of listening to that, it, it formed an impression. It gave me a framework to work from so that when I was actually doing it, 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 
you know, it's like going to college. You know, a college education really doesn't teach you how to function in the real world, but it gives you a good foundation and it, it helps you grow from that point forward. And I think I had a really good college education working for Vern, watching him direct talent. And it, like I said, it gave me the basic framework. And then the more I did it, and really now, at this stage of my life, looking back at it, I actually understand the formula better now than I did while I was doing it. Some of it I just did. It came somewhat naturally because of the exposure that I had with Vern. And just trial and error. You know, when you when you do a promo, you know when it sucks. And if you do if you do enough sucky promos, eventually you'll figure out, oh, okay, I I did that same thing three times in a row and the last three promos suck, so I'm not gonna do that anymore. Kind of a process of elimination. But you it's a combination of things. But I, I really do think working with Vern was my leg up, so to speak. Um, you you answered the classic question that everyone who's ever associated with wrestling gets asked as far as pick your Mount Rushmore of wrestling. I was wondering if you were to make a women's Mount Rushmore of wrestling, who would you have on that? Ooh. Whoa! Throw me a curveball, dude. That's what I do. That's what I do here. Damn! <laughs> Oh, that's going to be so hard. Wendy Richter. Okay. In my era. Mm -hmm. Wendy was really talented. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'd have to throw Medusa in there. Okay. And, and, and not just because she's a friend, and she, she is, she's a family friend, but not just because of that, because she was in that transition when – Oh, this is gonna I'm gonna get so much heat for this. This is gonna be so bad. But women wrestlers were kind of spectacles mm -hmm. really in the sixties and the seventies. They were they were an oddity, I would say. And it really was that way all the way up through the seventies and into the eighties and the early eighties it started to change a little bit. And I think, you know, women like Wendy Richter, you know, and there were others. Um, were responsible for that but Medusa kind of advanced it even further and because she was legitimate she was you know she's a very legitimate physical athletic tough human being male female doesn't matter she's a tough human being and she was willing to throw herself in there and really really um, advance the art form so to speak for women so I'd have to throw her in there for sure um Undoubtedly, at this point, Becky Lynch, I think, is probably going to go down as one of the most successful women in in sports entertainment. So she's kind of automatically there. Okay. Based on what she's doing now. And I need one more. I need one more. Oh, gosh. I need one more, and I can't think of one more. I mean, you, you got Moolah, you got May, you got Sherry, you got Trish, you got oh, Lita. Whoa, 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 whoa. Thank you very much. <laughs> Sherry, mm. absolutely. Ah. Sh Sherry is the George Washington of my Mount Rushmore of women's wrestling. She could do it all. She could. She was a great manager. She could get in there and go with the best of a male or female. Didn't matter to her. Actually, I think she preferred wrestling men more than women. She was tough mm -hmm. as nails, but her promos were outstanding, mm. and she was fun. So yeah, thank you for that. All right. Oh, I love yeah. that. Honestly, I don't know if I would. I think maybe 
I think the only one that I personally was expecting was Medusa. I think that was the only one I was actually yeah. personally expecting mm-hmm. on your Mount Rushmore that you said. So I think that's really cool. That's awesome. Wow. Because I'm a, I'm, I'm, I'm a deeper person than you even realize. <laughs> yes. I, 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 thought yeah. you were, I thought you were a shallow end type guy, but no, you're deep. No, I'm deep. And I, I, I have a reservoir of historical you know, resources to pull from because I'm old. Well, we are going to dive way down with this one. You said on this episode of the show that uh, what you noticed at WWE was a fierce loyalty amongst its employees to the company. What do you think it is about the culture there that breeds that kind of loyalty? And do you think that can be detrimental in any any case? Detrimental? No, absolutely not. I, I mean, that's one of the things I think I admire most about WWE. And I'm not sure, you know, it's leadership. It's it's accountability. It's there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, for people to remain loyal for long periods of time suggests to me, at least, that you have to treat them pretty well. Because the the the, the people that I worked with in WWE worked their guts out and still do, and they make a lot of money, they've got a great opportunity, but you don't get people to work that hard and be that loyal for decades mm-hmm. unless you treat them pretty well. And I I, I just kind of assign it all to great leadership. Mm-hmm. And you don't think there's any case in which someone can feel like they've been so loyal but that maybe they were wronged or um, that it could really bite them in the butt at any point? Sure, you always have that. That's human nature. I mean, you can't fix human nature. You know, things happen, and and look, look at Jim Johnson. You know, when they let Jim Johnson go uh, six months ago or a year ago, whenever it was, I mean, there was a guy that was very, very loyal and contributed a ton to the business. And I'm sure when it was time for him to move on, it it hurt him in a lot of ways. But you know, we don't know the rest of the story. We 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 just don't know. And and there's always going to be people that you know, have been loyal for long periods of time. And then as times change and things change, they find themselves on the outside looking in and they're going to be bitter and upset and hurt. But that's happens in every walk of life. It happens. It happens in families. It happens in relationships. And it certainly happens in careers. Well, see, I told you we were going deep. (laughs) Speaking of loyalty, you spent a lot of, a lot of this episode talking about your dog's breed, and I was just curious if you had any other dog breeds you preferred or liked. Or I was actually fascinated hearing you talk about dog breeds. <laughs> well, you know, maybe Chrissy will, will appreciate this. But living in Minnesota for as long as I did, and I always liked to hunt, you know, pheasants and ducks. I, I was a big fan of German short hair pointers and labs. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, I trained uh, German short hair pointers. I competed with them uh, on, on different circuits. I loved labs. Uh, there were great working dogs for what I was doing at that time. Um, I've had a Doberman Pitcher that was a phenomenal. Her name was Tara, and she was my dog before I met my wife, Lori. And then when I met my wife, Lori, they just like they didn't get along. Like when Lori would spend the night when we first started going out. Mm-hmm. She was, yeah, we did that. <laughs> no Bluetooth necessary. And, and no Bluetooth necessary. I was like 25. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been deadly for both of them. <laughs> Thank God that stuff wasn't around back then. <laughs> Wouldn't be here, neither would she. <laughs> We're going way deep now. <laughs> but, at, you know, at that time, my dog, you know, that was my dog, right? And then Lori would spend the night, and my dog would be so resentful, Tara, my Doberman. 
that she would like rip up, you know, Lori's clothes and chew up her shoes and like, how dare you spend the night at my house? You know, she would tear up all of her shit. And then fast forward to about a year and a half later, two years later, when Lori was pregnant with our first son, Garrett, and that became my wife's dog. That was Lori's dog. Aww. Like, if I got too close to her, Lori, literally, I would do this as a joke. I'd put my hand on Lori and I would go, like that, I'd slap my hand. My own dog would bite me. <laughs> no shit. Aw, Lori won her over. She won her over. So, I, I mean, I've had great dogs on my life. I've had German Shepherds, um, a German Shepherd, I should say. I've always had great dogs. But the Blue Heeler, Australian Kettle Dog, one and the same, by far my favorite. Interesting. I'm a big dog lover as well. Uh, going back to wrestling, from a WWE standpoint, why is it necessary for the wrestlers to be independent contractors as opposed to the employees? I don't think it's just necessary well, perhaps it is from a business model <laughs> point of view, but it's the way it's always been. You know, if you look at the history of the industry, wrestlers have always been independent contractors. I personally prefer to be an independent contractor. If I am ever given a choice of being an employee or an independent contractor, I'm going to be an independent contractor. There's a lot of advantages to it. You know, we hear about the disadvantages sometimes. And people kind of focus on that because it is a different world. You know, when you're self-employed, you have to, you know, worry about your own insurance. You have to, your tax structure is a little bit different. Um, there are some downsides to it or challenges to it. But I much prefer it. I much prefer being an independent contractor. But to answer your question, I, I just think that historically that's just the way it's always been. Um, the big the big news over this last week was um, John Moxley's appearance on Chris Jericho's podcast. First of all, have you listened to that at all? Since I have minute? not. You have not. Okay. So one, um, the main thing that Moxley was pretty much talking about this was... This is the, the former Dean Ambrose, yes. as I'm sure you know. Um, well, I know that. <laughs> not that out of date. <laughs> he told you before, he's deep. He's not shallow. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> I attention to shit. <laughs> Um, so he went on talking about several stories of frustration that he had with with the writers and them really not understanding the concept of wrestling promos and storylines, um, and he conveyed it on Jericho's podcast. I was just kind of curious if you've ever had people tell you whether it had to do with WCW or in time in WWE where they expressed similar frustrations with their directions that writers were giving them because it didn't seem like they really knew what they were doing. Guess what? That's the entertainment business. Mm -hmm. Anybody that's ever directed or produced a television series, a sitcom, a movie, a wrestling show, or probably a high school play at one level or another has faced that issue. Now, obviously, the the higher profile you become, the more money is involved, um, the more visibility you have, the more success you have, the more sensitive one becomes to that particular issue. Um, it's, it's the nature of the business. So the answer to your question, yes, I've had that happen. Chris Jericho, was when he was in WCW, he was very frustrated. He was a guy... You know, Chris will tell you this better than I can in his own words. I'll paraphrase the hell out of this, but Chris really saw himself as a much bigger character, a much more significant character, and a much more versatile character than he felt he was being given credit for. And he voiced that often. 
which is why he ended up going to the WWE, which is why Moxley's now in AEW. It's not unnatural. And it, and I think people should expect it. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. When you're that into your character and when you're that passionate about the business, you're going to feel like you are outgrowing whatever situation you're in, particularly in, in WWE, where, you're, you know, there's a, there's a lot of talent there. And it's easy to get frustrated. I'm not saying that was the case in, you know, Moxley's case, but it doesn't surprise me a bit. Yes, I've been faced with it multiple times. All right. Well, I think we have uh, we have uh, s- satisfied our curiosities. Yes, for the week. <laughs> yes. yes. So I'm looking looking for verbal Wait, cues here, boys. Friends over here. Oh, yeah, yeah, do it. We want to say hi. Oh, everybody come over. <laughs> Let's, oh get the, let's get this the whole is, family in here. This is so fun for anyone uh, who's listening on Apple Podcasts. Eric joins us via Skype, so we're gonna we're gonna be part of the uh, the party at the Bischoff compound. Does that mean we're gonna have elk? I want some elk. I want some trout. Everybody gotta gather around right here. <laughs> hey, Laurie. We got Mrs. B right here. Hello. Hi. Hello, Mrs. B. Sorry for calling you. This is Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, Mark. How's it going? He brought the elk. Oh. Excellent. <laughs> this is our son Garrett's wife, MJ. Hi, Hello, MJ. MJ. Hello there. Uh, yes, <laughs> Mrs. B just reminded me this is our daughter-in-law, technically. <laughs> this is being our son's wife. She's also our daughter-in-law. This is Rooster. Come on in here. Hey. hey. What's up, Rooster? Hey. hey. He mumbles. <laughs> And this is G-Dog Garrett, our, our son. G-Dog. Hello. Wow, that's Hi. a pretty good-looking bunch you're hanging out with over there, Eric. I know. We have good genes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, well, we want you guys to all enjoy your elk, enjoy your uh, your time together, and uh, you know, don't uh, don't worry about work. Don't be thinking about uh, Nitro, the Great American <laughs> Bash, Clash of Champions, all the eight shows that Conrad let us know mm-hmm. are all upcoming. <laughs> no, we're not thinking about that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Who's had the most to drink so far this evening? That's my hard-hitting journalism question. That would be one of the two that are still in the frame. Yeah, but we, we, we were gonna we were gonna guess it was you, Eric. All right, you guys have fun tonight. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Oh wow, you guys! We have we have officially hung out with the Bischoff family. Are we at, in the uh, family now? At the Bischoff compound. Are we I mean, invited no, for I'd the say. next like, time? Are we a distant cousin now? Is uh, have we qualified? <laughs> we're we're at least twice removed. Yes. Whatever that means. He texted me this morning. We're I know they always invited. talk about they have like a big Fourth of July bash. Are we all invited oh. now? I hope so. You, uh-huh. you missed your opportunity to ask. Well, <laughs> that, was, that was the that opportunity. Was asking. That's the problem. I don't ask. We just go. <laughs> well, we will keep you all posted out there if we receive any invites in the mail. And uh, where can they hit you up at, Christian Rosenberg? Follow me on Twitter at Rue Rosenberg, Instagram, TheRosenberg, ProsandTees.com, slash Christian Rosenberg, and get yourself a D Evil Enterprises t shirt like I'm wearing right now. Yeah. And make sure you check out the last Wrestling Pro Wrestling show. It will be on Twitch uh, towards the end of this week. Thursday. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Wrestling Pro Wrestling. I take over an actual dog, like a real dog. Eric would probably hate me for it if he saw it. <laughs> that was good. Uh, you can follow me at Ghermoza, G H E R M O Z A, Instagram, Twitter, all of the above. Some exciting things coming up. And I'm Steve Kaufman. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K U F M A N N. I'm running five, soon to be seven YouTube pages. What? So, so actually eight. I. 
you could probably guess at the three. It's all been announced, kind of. Um, yeah, if I'm tweeting a link, chances are I'm involved. So support them and support me by doing by supporting them. And uh, we all know that when you say you have big things upcoming, George, it just means you paid for a photo shoot and you're going to post the pictures. So we will be sure to look wow. out for that. She's and not wrong. If you guys, you know, if you want some more zingers like that, you can always hit me up at Christy Reports. <laughs> I love to hear from you. Next week, we are talking the June 10th, 1996 episode of Nitro Conrad, and uh, Eric will be watching along, mm-hmm. and we will be here to follow up with them on all of that. So have a great week and uh, take care. Thanks for watching. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.